Absolute Radio Country is filled with the best sounds from Nashville 24 hours a day. But even we can't fit in everything. You'll find a full story right here. This is Country Music Talk, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the world of country music. Welcome to the Country Music Talk podcast. Hello, I'm Balin Leonard. I'm on Absolute Radio Country with the no repeat guarantee and the biggest guests in country music every single day. All you need to do is ask your smart speaker to play Absolute Radio Country or you can download the free Absolute Radio app. On this episode, uh, I love Kaylee Hammock. She's self-taught singer-songwriter. She's worked with some of the industry's most famous names. She's coming back to the UK for the Long Road Festival. So let's have a chat with her. This is the Country Music Talk podcast from Absolute Radio Country. This is Absolute Radio Country. I'm Baylin Leonard. My guest today is a self-taught singer-songwriter, learned her craft by listening to country songs on the radio uh, before moving to Nashville and then started a brilliant career. She's just released an amazing debut album. She's worked with artists like Ashley McBride, Chris Stapleton. She was just over for C2C in London, Dublin, and Glasgow, and she's coming back soon for the Long Road Festival. It's Kaylee Hammock. Hey, Kaylee. Hello. Hello. I don't know how we missed each other at C2C because I was all over it like a rash. You were all over it everywhere. And it wasn't until like that whirlwind of a weekend happened that I was like, I didn't even get to hug Kaylee Hammock and say howdy. How was I it I know. You? I'll have to make up for it when I come to the Long Road Festival. <laughs> yes, please. But it was amazing. Every time I'm able to come across the pond and play country music, it's even more of a special situation for me and an occasion really it's something that i look forward to so much and i love playing over here but you know i've seen the different places that have countryside in america i've seen the places that there are country folks everywhere Mm. being able to come across the pond go to a completely different country and i mean a completely different piece of land altogether and still see how country music connects people it's the coolest thing every country artist i've ever met that has done c to c has talked about the reverence that y'all have for country music and it's just a thrill it's an honor to get to come back and play so i'm stoked i you know i always say like country it's not about geography you know there's just something about these universal stories even if they're quite personal stories that that you're singing about or writing about or things that do take place somewhere geographically there's still always something about the truth in country music that i think people can relate to no matter where they're from and we see that happen over here don't we 100 percent. i mean part of country music came from folk music and the reason folk music came to be the storytelling aspect of it was being in different places where folks were not able to go and get, you know, a good education, the only way that they were able to tell their stories since they weren't able to write it down was to sing it, put it to a melody, and it can be remembered and passed down. And so I think when country music takes on that storytelling element, it can bring people from anywhere together because country music is truly just about life. Absolutely. And now, you know, a lot of people are like Kaylee Hammock making her UK debut at C2C. And I was like, uh-uh-uh. Because actually, do you remember the year that you were originally meant to do it? It was the night, I think, before C2C. You were doing, along with some other artists, a special showcase that I was hosting 
in a basement somewhere in central London. You performed, and then like an hour later, the world started shutting down and off you went. So technically speaking, uh, C2C was your big return to the UK. Yes, it was the wildest thing. So the first time I came, it was in the very beginning. It was February, March, uh, beginning of March for 2020. And um, I'm stuttering on the on 2020. What a year. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, anyways, I'm just I'm grateful I was finally able to come back because I only got to play Berlin and Amsterdam. I got to London and we were playing the O2 the next day. And I was so excited. I mean, it was the show I was most excited about getting to do because everyone was like, it's a legendary stage. Mm. So I'm very pumped. And that night after that show that you're talking about, we started getting phone calls at dinner and we were like, what's going on? So yeah, the world really just kind of ended the next day. Um, we had to fly back. We didn't get to do a week of shows in London and it sucked because I didn't want to come back. Um, but I was just grateful that I'll be honest, I was naive. I was a little ignorant coming into it. When we were in Berlin I had been told that the meet and greets had been canceled, but I thought it was due to such a busy schedule. I right. didn't realize <laughs> that it was COVID related, you know? And um, so I am just hugging people and I'm just like, you know, I love being hands-on with folks and like getting, getting to be close with people. And um, yeah, I just remember like afterwards, people were like, thank you so much for doing meet and greets. It just means the world to me. And I was like, well, why not? You know, yeah, and come on. the world ended and I realized I was like, oh my goodness. I was like a little kid, just excited to be over here, not really thinking about the world and all the things going on. But I am glad looking back um, a little bit for that ignorance, because I'll be honest, that was the last time I got to truly hug my fans mm. was in Amsterdam and Berlin. And I'm grateful I had that. But I'm thrilled that I got to come back. And it's funny, like, you know, calling it my debut. I do feel like I'm still debuting um, across the pond. So anytime yeah. that uh, some of the people from Berlin and Amsterdam came to the London shows, and I thought right. that was just so cool. And I just appreciate it so much and getting to see different faces, like familiar faces in the crowd. Yes, already, which is a great thing. Yeah. Do you know, I think I think uh, both of our eyes were opened a little bit on that that fateful night when when you were doing that showcase in the basement because that was the first night you know we had a few drinks we had a few drinks and I was I was on the the tube going home after that and it was the first night that I saw people wearing masks people had started wearing masks because it and I remember being on the tube you know a, a little bit jolly from the the great night that we had had and thinking it is so looking around and thinking this is so weird it's like a movie and then of course everything changed but listen let's not dwell on the past Kaylee because here we are so much exciting stuff is happening I said there in the intro you know you you kind of taught yourself how to do all of this so at what point you know little Kaylee in Georgia uh, singing along to the radio at what point did you kind of realize like oh I could make a thing of this like when did you pick up the guitar when did it all start changing for you first time I ever sang it was because my dad peer pressured me um, okay. What's really funny, I have the movie Elf to thank for that. You know, okay. the part of the girl is showering. I started singing along when they're in the shower scene, singing that duet together. And my dad said, you know, you can kind of sing. Maybe you should try it. And um, first I thought he was making fun of us. We're a family that teases one another. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. And he said, no, truly, you should try it. So he encouraged me to try a talent show up the road in my hometown. And I was 13 years old. I bought a karaoke track of I Will Survive for $1.99. <laughs> and I went up there with a burnt CD and they started it. 
and the intro, I missed the intro. I get up there and I go, first I was afraid. I was, and I just completely flopped. I mean, the worst flop you could imagine. Literally petrified. (laughs) Truly petrified. It was fitting (laughs) that that was the line I messed up on. But um, the whole crowd was a bunch of other kids my age, which made me even more embarrassed. But the beautiful thing is they started singing along. And they got me back on my feet and I finished the song singing. I go home and as a 13, you know, a melodramatic 13 year old, I lock myself in the bathroom and I'm like, I'm never singing again. You know, I cry on the cold tile. I'm just so dramatic. (laughs) And my dad, my dad walked up and he goes, you know, there was a guy there. His name was Cecil Shutters. What a name. But he had a great name. Yeah, he actually, he built houses. How fitting is that? (laughs) Um, But anyways, uh, he told us about this Opry house where it's only old country. And I loved old country. Anything before Tanya Tucker was modern in the name, you know, in the way this place was. My dad encouraged me to go there. And he was like, well, you love Patsy Cline and you know those songs from front to back. So I said, well, maybe I will. And the coolest thing is I've kept I Will Survive in my shows, especially anytime I see a bunch of young kids out there. Because I try to encourage them that if you try something and you fail, keep trying. If it's something that you feel like you can't live without, keep trying. Because never in a million years did adult me at 29 think that 13-year-old me is going to have a full circle moment when she gets to write with Gloria Gaynor. I wrote with her a couple (laughs) months ago for her new record. And it just was one of those moments that I never thought would ever happen. And she are is, you going to sing with her or you wrote with her and she's singing it or which is so it? So I wrote with her. I'm hoping uh, I think she may cut the song. Who knows? You know, Ooh, knock on fingers wood. Fingers crossed. But, yeah. Um, touch wood. Yeah. How cool would that be? You know? So cool. So sometimes you fail. You just keep going. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a great but, message that everybody needs to hear. And, you know, you've just been going from strength to strength to strength. So, you know, your, your debut album it was 2020 when If It yeah. Wasn't For You came out. Yeah. So that was obviously a real high point during, as we discussed earlier, quite a difficult career. But the support that you had on this album, like Reba, hello, come on, Reba, uh, Ashley McBride, Tennille Towns. I mean, working with these absolute country legends, you've even worked with Chris Stapleton because he joined you for like a version of Small Town Hypocrite, which, by the way, is my favorite song of yours thus far. It is such a truth-telling story song, holding up a mirror to yourself, to other people. Like, it's just wonderful. So, you know, you're talking about this pinch-me moment with Gloria Gaynor. Surely all of those were pinch-me moments as well. Oh, yeah. There's still moments. I remember the first time I met Alan Jackson after this album had come out. I was really binging into artists that comforted me. And one of them was Don Williams. I Mm. talked to my label. I said, I've always wanted to sing Lord. I hope this day is good. But I thought it'd be really cool if Alan Jackson, someone that always brought Don Williams songs to life, sang it with me. And I forever say this in my shows. And it probably is just annoying to people that come to all my shows. But I like to make sure to say it, that if you never ask, the answer will always be no. In whatever it is that you're looking at right now, if the fear of being rejected is keeping you from it, just fight that fear and just ask. Because 
never in a million years did I think that Reba would want to sing on my album. I mean, I was a nobody. I still am in the grand scheme of country music. And, you know, reaching out and saying, hey, I wrote this for my redheaded cousin because when we were kids, she said, there's no song about redheads. And that makes me mad, except the Travis Tritt song and the redhead is a criminal. And um, so, (laughs) you know, I wrote Redhead for her. And then um, I said, you know, I just would love to have the queen of redheads come in. And she said, yes, because I asked. And, you know, well, you, know she, you made an impact on her because when we had Reba on the show, she mentioned you. She Because t- did you end up going out on tour with her as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we were talking about that. And she brought up, you know, uh, she mentioned you. She name checked you. And clearly you made an impact on her as well. What an amazing Ooh. thing. <laughs> Reba name dropped me? She name dropped oh. you. Reba did. Yes, she Love did. That. Um, but, and then did you just ask Chris Stapleton as well? Were you like, hey, I'd like Chris Stapleton. So him and Morgan, his wife, had heard my music, reached out to my manager, and my manager screenshot this really sweet text that they sent to them. We didn't have the connection yet. And um, I just reached back to my manager, Mary, and I said, since they like the music so much, do you think he'd sing on it? Because when I wrote the song five years ago, I wrote it with him in mind for this melody, this harmony line. And I made my friend Davis Nash, who had the closest voice to Chris Stapleton, I made him go outside and holler a little bit and drink some alcohol and then come back in and try to give his, Smoke some cigarettes. his closest to the Stapleton impression that he could. And so I asked and they said yes. And um, then I got to go on the road with Chris and Morgan uh, for a weekend and just I just love them dearly. I'm very grateful that they were willing to even listen to a young artist like me. And then come in and sing it. I mean, so cool. And then the Alan Jackson thing, you know, what you're talking about, um, you know, these are pinch me moments. We didn't even get to go in the studio together uh, when we did it because COVID was happening. And um, so he went in himself. I went in and then we put our stuff together. I finally get to meet him at a show. And I have never lost my cool around an artist yet. Like I've been very good about. I lose my cool afterwards. I'm able to like right. kind of hold it in and be cool. And then I go home and freak out and call everybody. <laughs> yes. So um, he invited me onto his bus. He wanted to meet me before I did this fundraiser show with him back in Georgia. And I actually I have the picture on the wall right here. But um, I just, I was completely cool until he said something nice about me. He went to compliment me. And that's when I just went, this is Alan Jackson. And I started tearing up and I was so embarrassed, but I couldn't even hold it in. I just, I had never thought that that moment would happen. And the coolest thing about all of that is not just getting to sing with him, but I wrote Alan Jackson a letter about my dad. And I said, our version, my dad sat at the kitchen counter and and listened to it 20 times in a row when I first played it for him. And I said, you brought happy tears from a man who never cries. Mm. And I just have to say, That means a lot to me. Months later, I get a text from someone at the label saying, oh, my gosh, Alan Jackson writing that song from that letter you wrote is so cool. And I said, what are you even talking about? And they said, he just talked about you in this interview. And we didn't even know the backstory. But his song called The Man Who Never Cries is from that letter I wrote. 
And I thought that was so cool. Kaylee, like, it, I mean, this is, you've got so many great stories with these legends already. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you're just kind of getting going here. And already you've got this absolute um, treasure box full of these amazing stories. And there's so many more to come. We have to talk about the new single, History of Repeating, because we absolutely love that here. Uh, it was a spotlight song on my show uh, recently. Where did that one come from? That was the day that I sat down with Nicolette Hey, for Pillbox Patty, and I sat down yes, with Ashley McBride. We love and her. It was a very, I love her too. I love both of these women. So we got together, and the funniest thing is, I had had a microneedling session. I'd never done a facial like that, and mm. if you've never done that, your face is you are as red as a lobster for twenty four <laughs> hours after. Right. So I asked the girls. I said, "Hey, come over to my house and let's write." So we wrote in my studio. It was the first song that I wrote in this new studio at my house. We wrote it. And I don't know what it is, but it just fell out of the sky and into our laps. And I looked up at them and I just said, we got to go get a drink now. And they were like, what? And I was like, we have to celebrate. I don't know why, but this is something special we have to celebrate. And so we went up to the little, little dive bar and I sat there like a happy little lobster with my bright red face. <laughs> and, and when we drank on this back patio in the sunshine, and I just remember that day, just knowing I was like, we got something good. We got something good. And it. it turns out it's the only song that I've ever like had a conversation with the other artist in the room. And Ashley was like, are you going to cut it? Are you sure you're going to cut it? Because if you're going to cut it, I'm okay to not cut it. But if you're not cutting it, I want to cut it right now. And I was like, I want to cut it, Ashley. Like, I really want this song. And she was like, okay, but I really want you to sing on it. And mm. so she sang the background we didn't put her name on it or anything because we were talking about the Easter eggs we love, like yeah. Chris Stapleton singing in the back of Leanne Womack's uh, version of Either Way back mm -hmm. when he was just a writer in town. And those little Easter eggs just make things special. So she came in, put her voice down as an Easter egg on that song. And I'm just so happy it's finally out in the world. Oh, it's such a great song. And then, of course, you know, you and Pillbox Patty and Ashley McBride uh, on Brenda Put Your Bra On as well. So, uh, oh, you know, yeah, th there's so much happening there. And we love that one, uh, too. Hey, so I want you to tell the story because I always tell it and you'll tell it much better because uh, the last time we saw each other, I was backstage at the Grand Ole Opry and you were on that night. Brad Paisley was on that night and Brad invites you out on stage to sing a song with him. And you went out and, you know. We were having a great time backstage and off you go and you deliver it beautifully. And then you come off stage, and you go, oh, my God, they played a totally different version than what we what yeah. I thought they were <laughs> going to play. And I had to kind of wing it on stage and turn my back to the audience for a moment and figure it all out. But obviously the audience didn't know. So what happened there? So the way that Brad Paisley and I, we had just been on um, tour and we played a certain way on tour. Well, that night we were on the same, you know, lineup at the Opry and he in passing said, hey, do you want to do, you know, the Alison Krauss part of uh, Whiskey Lullaby? And I said, of course, I'm down to do that. And well, we're about to walk on stage and the band is like, whoo, can't remember the last time we played this one with them because we did just an acoustic thing together on the road and we mm. did it a certain way. We skipped a solo, you know, we jumped into another part. Well, right before I go on stage, the band is all around me and they go, yeah, you know, it's been so long since we played it this way. I'm, I'm excited to try it again. You know, I might be a little rusty. And I went this way. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and they're like, you know, like a full band version. We haven't done that in a long while. 
there was a couple parts where I kind of had to like turn around and look at the band. And later I told Brad, I was like, I wasn't ready for that. I was like, I've never had to wing it on the Opry stage before, but hopefully it was okay. And he was really sweet. He was like, he did great. I mean, he, he's a very supportive human being. I remember the first weekend on the road and his dad, Doug, will tell you this. He straight up told me, he was like, the first night you did Whiskey Lullaby, it wasn't very good. (laughs) (laughs) You were really nervous. And I did. I had these nerves on the road with Brad because I knew that he was a perfectionist and he's so great that I was like, I need to bring that level to his show, you know? And, um, Yep, Doug will straight out tell me that wasn't the best one you've ever done. But the next night you got better, and by the third night you nailed it. Well, and as long as like, you're moving in the right direction, well, good right? Good to know, you know. And <laughs> you were great on the Opry stage as well. I had I was happily swaying along, drinking my sweet iced tea backstage, watching you. Had no idea that that there was panic setting in, and until you came off stage and told me it was fantastic. Um, Kaylee, just before I let you go, you're coming back. You're playing the Long Road Festival August Bank Holiday weekend in Leicestershire. We're so excited to have you back there and also um it's nice because a, a different vibe you know big outdoor camping festival where people are living there for the weekend in this bubble and presumably your friends you know on the lineup as well john party and you know margo pride there's so many there um what's it like for you as a performer you know playing a big outdoor festival like that which i know you've done loads of in the states it's a bit of a different vibe I can't wait to experience that over there I've done many a festival here. It's always fun. It's always, you never know what the crowd is going to be like, whether everyone is going to be like all in or if they're going to be all just, you know, sun logged, like just, you know, (laughs) trying to just survive until the uh, the headliner comes on stage. Hanging on. But it's special every single time I get to play any crowd and see people connect, especially on situations like this where it's a bunch of people pulled in for all these different artists. Mm. And yet still they're standing there listening to everybody. And um, as a young artist, that always feels good when people are willing to come out early and see you, um, even if they don't know you. So hopefully I get to see some folks that I know and some new faces. at You absolutely will. You absolutely will. And maybe we'll even hear you do. I will survive. Maybe so. I might just have to throw that in there since we've talked about it. All right. We will wait and see. Uh, (laughs) Kaylee, it's always a pleasure. It's always a joy. We can't wait to see you back over here. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Oh, it's so good to talk to you. I'll see you soon. The Country Music Talk podcast from Absolute Radio Country. An in-depth look behind the scenes at the world of country music. Always great to catch up with Kaylee Hammett. Can't wait to see her back at the Long Road Festival later this year. Will we get a version of I Will Survive? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, You can get your tickets right now in the Absolute Radio ticket store, absoluteradio.co.uk slash tickets. I'll see you next time. If you enjoy the Country Music Talk podcast, chances are you'll also enjoy Absolute Radio Country. It's the place where real music matters, and we love country music just as much as you do. You'll find us online on the free Absolute Radio app on digital radio throughout the UK, or just ask your smart speaker to play Absolute Radio Country. 